I really feel that all of my clients have been my heroes because they have gone through the original trauma of having an injury inflicted upon them, whether it's discrimination or in some other way, and yet they have been able to prevail. Attorney Gloria Allred. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. She is one of America's most high-profile lawyers. In a career that began in the 1970s, Gloria Allred has become known especially for taking on cases involving sexual harassment or women's rights, especially in the workplace. In 2006, Allred looked back on her decades-long career in a book that she admits will probably be the closest she'll ever come to writing a full-fledged autobiography. So here now, my 2006 conversation with Gloria Allred. For the last 30 years, Bill, I've been practicing law. And in that time, I've been waging many David and Goliath or Davida and Goliath type of battles where I represent individuals against the rich, the famous, the powerful, uh, politicians, celebrities, big corporations, government, sexual predators, high-profile killers. We have fought against all of those in our law practice. And we have won hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients. And I thought that it was important to write a book to help to empower people, people like my clients, people who want to change their life for the better, and to give them some tips to let them know that they have more power to win justice in their lives than perhaps they ever thought or knew that they had. In this book, I talk about many of my famous cases and some of the lesser known ones. And I also have little empowerment lessons at the end of each chapter so that people can draw from the case some ideas that they can apply in their own life uh-huh. to help them to win justice for themselves, for their families, for their co-workers, and for their communities. I thought your daughter said about you in her introduction to this book, one of the nicest things anyone can say about any lawyer, she said that you are not a hired gun that you only take on the cases that you really believe in. That's right. I do have that as a luxury because I'm in private practice. And we have to be very selective because we have many more people coming to ask us to take a case than we could possibly take. But when when we do take a case, we are 100% committed to it. Mm -hmm. And we will do whatever is legally possible and necessary in order to achieve justice for our clients. But if you take only the cases that you really believe in, you are almost bound to take on some cases that are going to be very unpopular, aren't you? I am a civil rights attorney. I'm not a politician. So as a civil rights attorney, I'm dedicated to helping to win equal protection under the law and to fighting what may be at some times an unpopular cause for a client who may not necessarily be popular. Mm-hmm. Or rich. Yes, but for us, what we do is we do what we believe is right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in civil rights that what may be unpopular one day may be popular by the end of the case or in the future. After all, when women were fighting to win their rights... It was not popular at first for women to be given or to win the right to vote. 
But, of course, today, most people in the United States say, of course, women should have the right to vote. But that mm-hmm. wasn't the way it was in the beginning. Oh, there was a time years ago yes. when it was perfectly acceptable to have children working eight to ten hours a day in a factory. Well, exactly. So we do what is right, and we're happy to say that we find the juries have been very supportive of our clients and of the issues. And, of course, we only take cases if we believe that the facts and the law are there. And so we, in the book, I talk about Hunter Tylo, an actress that we represented Uh, And she was on The Bold and the Beautiful. And then she had a contract to have a role on Melrose Place. But after she entered into the contract, she became pregnant. And then she was very disappointed to receive a letter terminating her role, saying that that was a material change in her appearance. And that they wished her success with her pregnancy, but that she wasn't going to be able to have the role. Well, we sued. We proceeded to trial. There were many legal commentators who were saying, oh, you can't possibly win this. Isn't this ridiculous? How can an actress be both bold and beautiful and then also pregnant? (laughs) Uh, Can't be. Producers were saying, what are you trying to do? But we're happy to say that a jury agreed with us and felt that an actress can be both can be bold, beautiful, and Mm -hmm. pregnant all at the same time and awarded her $5 million. So we sent a message with that case that pregnancy discrimination is unlawful, that Hollywood is not an exception to the law, does not enjoy any special license to discriminate. And we sent a message to others across the country that women will stand up and fight back against pregnancy discrimination. And that was a very interesting case. The first one we know of that actually went to trial. Now, one of the points that you make throughout the book in many places, though, is that justice sometimes takes time. I mean, in this particular case, correct me if I'm wrong, by the time it went to trial, you got your verdict. Hadn't Heather Locklear been through a similar situation on the show, and they made an accommodation for her pregnancy? Exactly. And also Lisa Renna, who was given the role that was taken away from Hunter Tylo, also became pregnant. We became like a job security device. Uh, they didn't fire them uh, after we filed the lawsuit, uh, but they were able to shoot around them and accommodate the pregnancy, which, of course, proved our point that you mm-hmm. could accommodate it. And it was not necessary to to file. But to people uh, who That ex- is, to fire them, and, and so that was a good point we made. But to people who expect... Not instant justice, but they expect, oh, this will take a week or two, maybe a month or two. It can take, in some cases, years, can't it? Well, I mean, there's one case in there where we fought for a person who had disclosed that he had AIDS after he made an appointment for a pedicure, Paul Jasperson. And then they took the appointment away and canceled it. Uh, That case took over 16 years. We even pursued it after Paul Jasperson, may he rest in peace, died. But we had important principles to vindicate for Paul and for other people with AIDS, namely that businesses have no right to deny services to a person with AIDS. And we won two major legal victories for people with AIDS in Paul's case. So in the same way that Rosa Parks' case was not about a bus ride, but was about second-class citizenship, Paul Jasperson's case was not about a pedicure. It was about making sure that there was no discrimination mm-hmm. in any business service to a person who has AIDS. So, you know, we have a lot of wonderfully interesting and important cases in the book. 
Um, it's and, easy to get lost in some of these cases. I mean, just the time flies by when you're just going from one case to the next yes. because you've had not just high-profile cases, but high-profile cases you've won. You've got a very yes. good record. All kinds of interesting cases. Of course, I talk about Amber Fry, Scott Peterson's girlfriend who did the right thing and the courage she displayed and and how I came to represent her in the Scott Peterson murder case. I talk about uh, another high-profile killer, O.J. Simpson, because I represented the family of Nicole Brown mm-hmm. Simpson, what I think went wrong with the prosecution in that case and the reasons that I think he ended up being acquitted, although later he was found liable in the civil case. Um, I talk about uh, integrating formerly all-male clubs and uh, the battle uh, for women to be able to become members of those clubs. I talk about a lot of problems that mothers have and how we can solve some of those problems or address them, uh, creative ways to collect child support, uh, the right of parents to move away after divorce or after uh, after they separate from the father of their children. Um, I talk about going up against celebrity bad boys on behalf <laughs> of people they hurt. Uh, people, even, even Holocaust deniers you've gone up against. <laughs> yes, we have a, a, a very famous case that was on the front page of the L.A. Times after we won it, uh, where we sued on behalf of Mel Mermelstein, Mermelstein who is a survivor of uh, the Holocaust in Auschwitz, and who was offered $50,000 by Holocaust deniers if he could prove that Jews ever were really gassed at Auschwitz. And uh, he accepted, and then they refused to pay. Uh, we represented Mel, and before an all-Christian jury, won a multimillion-dollar verdict for Mel Mermelstein, who saw his mother and sister go into gas chamber number five and saw the smoke and never saw them again. Now, let me say, and you acknowledge in the book that there were some people who didn't want you to pursue that case, yes. fearing that if you did, if you went into open court, it mm-hmm. would give the Holocaust deniers some credibility, some legitimacy that they may not have had otherwise. And yes, and some people who also thought that uh, they would never apologize. Mm-hmm. And so what was the point? But, you know... Mel believed and I believed that this is a situation that must be addressed. And my partners, uh, uh, some of whom were children of survivors of the Holocaust, believed that it must be addressed. And also, we wanted through this litigation to find out who these people really were, find out as much as we could about them. And, and we did. And when some of them were late in paying the judgment, even three days late, we went in for interest to let them know, you know, do not fool around with Holocaust survivors because we will fight back for them. You are not going to pick on people who have suffered so much and who are so vulnerable. We will fight back and we will win. After this short break, Gloria Allred tells about the client she had who felt like a daughter to her. Now, more of my 2006 interview with Gloria Allred. I want to come back just for a moment to Amber Fry, because in the chapter in which you described that case, you said that she's, she became, during the, your representation of her, almost like a daughter to you. Yes, an honorary daughter. Does that happen frequently with the clients you represent? Uh, not really. Sometimes. I mean, I, I feel very close to them. But with her particularly, I, I was spending so much time with her. There was so much going on behind the scenes, and and she was being attacked constantly in the press, and there were, you know, 
people who had been her friends whom she found out were not necessarily her mm. friends and you know there was quite a bit going on and we needed to really spend a lot of time together helping her to get ready mm-hmm. and helping her to understand what was expected in the criminal justice system and i have a great deal of respect for her there are millions of women in this country who have been lied to and betrayed mm-hmm. by men that they trusted and not all men do that, but unfortunately, quite a few have. And that hurts. And she was out there to do the right thing. She was doing it at great risk to her personal safety, I might add, mm-hmm. because when she called the police and offered them information that she thought was relevant to a criminal investigation, in fact, which was relevant, and then they asked her to tape record all the telephone calls with Scott Peterson, she did that. And she had no bodyguard at her home. She had no police watching her 24 hours a day. And if he had found out, who knows what might have happened to her. And in fact, on the day that he was arrested, in his vehicle, was he had downloaded a Yahoo map guide to her home or her workplace, and he had knives and duct tape and rope in his car. And I don't know mm-hmm. what he had planned to do, if anything, that day, but really presented us with a great deal of concern about what he might have done had he found out that he she had been taping. So how does a woman turn a negative experience into something positive? Amber did that and do the right thing, even in a crisis. She did that. And so that's one of the reasons I think she has resonated so much with so many women. So I'm going to talk as I go through my book tour about this, and I do in my book, mm-hmm. and I, I really feel that all of my clients have been my heroes because they have gone through the original trauma of being having an injury inflicted upon them, whether it's discrimination or in some other way. And yet they have been able to prevail and go through a lawsuit or go through whatever it took to achieve the result that they wanted to achieve. Have there been times when you've been the object of some dangerous attention? I mean, have been there, I'm, I'm guessing that with some of the causes, the, pe- the people you've represented, you've probably had run-ins with some unsavory characters from time to time. Well, I do, and I have. And in fact, I was just on 48 Hours recently. Um, they did a whole hour about one of the cases in my book called The Cruelest Kind of Custody. Oh, yes. About a <clears throat> where a uh, mother had her child kidnapped from her by the father of the child and taken child was taken from Southern California to Italy in violation of a court order. And the mother kept telling everyone he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, and she put that in court declarations. And in any event, she went to Italy to rescue her child. And even when she was there and after the Italian court said that he had to return the child to her, she called her twin sister and said, I'm afraid he's going to kill me. I'm coming back tomorrow but I'm, I'm hopeful that he will not kill me. And that afternoon, she was found dead on the floor of his apartment. For seven and a half years, I've been seeking justice for her and for her family, <clears throat> accountability. And finally, after seven and a half years of hammering away at this, uh, Italy has finally decided that he, mu- he is required wow. to stand trial for first-degree murder. But I went to Italy a few months ago and literally confronted him on the street because he's not even in custody, Mr. Ventry. Uh, they don't consider him dangerous. Mm. And I, I thrust a large photo of the deceased in his face and confronted him because I want him to know 
that I will not live in fear of him, that there is at least one woman who will not live in fear. And for some people, that is astounding, that a woman will not be governed Mm -hmm. by her fear. And one of the things that I want to do in the book, and I do do, is to empower people, especially women, because fear is a weapon that keeps women in their place, Mm -hmm. which is generally subordinated and dependent. I want to help them break out of that fear so that they can get in touch with their power. I want people to be able to move in their lives from being a victim to being a survivor to being a fighter for change. That's what I've done in my life, and I want to empower others to do that in theirs. Now, it's interesting. The only criticism that I've read of your book so far is from a fan, a reader, who said she really wanted to know more about you. I mean, the cases that she said are fascinating, but her favorite chapter was the first, and she really was looking forward to someday maybe a full-blown autobiography. Is that, is, would that be in the work someday? And they had to get this one chapter about me, kind of <laughs> drag it out of me, because I'm so much more interested in talking about cases and issues and other people. Um. I don't know if I will ever do another book, honestly. You might probably don't have time to do a book uh, that, like that. And that's the main reason. But I wanted to do this one because I want to empower people. But there are so many ac- cases that are exciting that I haven't put in this book that we've done. There could be another one sometime. But for now, I'm thinking this is it. And if there were another one, it wouldn't be for many, many years. So, Your work's never really going to be done, is it? I think people can know more about me through the work that I do because these are the issues that I have cared about in the book. I mean, I care about other issues as well, but helping people to fight back at work, which I also talk about in the book, against sexual harassment, the 57 young women who were secretly videotaped mm. taking their clothes off when they applied for a job at Hooters, and uh, how we fought back against Hooters and the man who was interviewing them who who did the secret videotaping. And there's also a, a, a case in the book about a man that we represented who was sexually harassed by his boss, another man. People think we only represent women. Not true. We represent a number of men. And mm-hmm. in this case, one of them was a sexual harassment victim. We won a $5 million verdict <laughs> for that man because, you know, he had a right to be bending over at work without having his mm-hmm. boss grabbing his private parts. <laughs> And um, so it's amazing what people think they can get away with. It is. And that's the thing is we want to show them that they can't get away with it. Or if employers don't provide a workplace free of sexual harassment and don't protect their employees from it, then they will have to pay the price for that. I mean, it should not be the victim who has to bear the cost of being victimized. It should be the wrongdoer or doers who have to bear that cost, and victims have a right to be compensated. So we want to shift shift the cost to the wrongdoers. And that's what I've been doing is fighting for victims for 30 years. That's what I plan to continue to do as long as God continues to give me the gift of life. Gloria Allred will be 80 in July and still practices law. And you can find easy Amazon links to Gloria Allred's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Are you new to Now I've Heard Everything? Did you know that you can find all of our past episodes at our website, heardeverything.com? There's a couple of hundred episodes there with actors and athletes and politicians and movie stars and astronauts and, did I say astronauts? At heardeverything.com. And don't forget, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, his father came up with that phrase, smile, you're on candid camera. And then later, Peter Funt continued his father Alan Funt's tradition. So you'll hear my 2013 interview with Peter Funt. People think about candid camera and what first comes to mind is a form of practical joke. But my dad's real passion was observing human nature. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thompson.